Participate, engage, speak out, use your voice to be an effective advocate. The Voices in Advocacy podcast examines the diverse landscape of advocacy, exploring the ins and outs of building influence, driving change, and creating champion advocates. It's now time for the Voices in Advocacy podcast with your host, Roger Rickard. Hello, and welcome to the Voices in Advocacy podcast. I'm Roger Rickard, and this is the podcast dedicated to the art of becoming a more influential advocate. And if you are already an advocate, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is for the people that work and engage in advocacy efforts for their organizations, be they associations, trade organizations, and nonprofit cause groups. If you're one of these people, then this podcast is for you. And finally, if you're looking to assist, be a champion for an organization by becoming an advocate for them, then this podcast is for you. You see, my goal here is to help you by educating, engaging, and activating you to become a champion for the causes you care about with enthusiasm while providing you with the powerful lifelong habits enabling you to become a superior advocate. In today's episode, I will be interviewing a person who calls himself an accidental activist. But first, it's time to introduce you to one of our sponsors for today's episode, Rocket SEO. They provide marketing solutions for any firm looking to dominate their industry on the web, specializing in local business marketing, e-commerce, videography, photography, and podcasting. If you want your online marketing to soar, contact rocketseo.com. Rocket, R-O-K-I-T. So go to rocketseo.com. Tell them Roger sent you. Well, hello there, uh, and we're into today's featured segment, and I'm really looking forward to today's podcast because I'm interviewing a good friend, a colleague that I've known for many years, and we won't get into that, and someone who calls himself the accidental activist. And the reason why I thought it would be important for us to chat today with my friend here, John Trask, and John Trask is the owner of strategic needing tech. Uh, and so let's get that out of the way before we even get get going here. It's strategicneedingtech.com is the website, John? Yes, it is. Okay, great. So, so I want to welcome you uh, to the podcast. Thanks for being here today. I'm happy to be here. It's great uh, to sit down and talk with you. I always have a great time when we talk about these things. You know, and 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 just for the listeners to know this, uh, John and I have a tendency to talk an awful lot about politics, government, policy, activism, advocacy, uh, among many other things. And uh, he and I both enjoy hockey, and uh, I've had the wonderful pleasure of being with him at one of his Anaheim Ducks games uh, over the years. So uh, thank you, John, and welcome. Thank you very much. But the the point of today's podcast is to talk about what I'm going to just call, and you can correct me as we go along here, the non-congressional congressional town hall. Now, 
you live in i would i would call it like south la the orange county area of uh uh of uh california and you have a congresswoman there that represents your district by the name of mimi walters that's correct and so you wanted to have a a, a town hall so I'm going to let you go here and kind of set the stage for this because, uh, well, I, I know that you have a lot to say and, and quite frankly, my, I guess my first question for you would be simply, uh, you just wanted to go to one of your Congresswoman's town halls so that you could better understand the issues and understand her positions, uh, Am I correct on that? Absolutely. That's uh, I, I spent some time well before I got involved in, in what I got involved in doing this town hall in simply asking questions of her and not really getting satisfactory answers, not really getting explanations, not really anything that would shed a light on why she was uh, voting certain ways on certain majors and things. And it just, um, it felt like very much like I was being ignored, like my concerns weren't of any concern to her. So I wanted some sort of voice. I wanted a way to talk face to face, just like the town hall is supposed to be, to say, I'm concerned about this. And I would like to hear from you why you feel that you voted this way, you know, why you believe this measure should be passed or should not be passed. So did you try to look up or call our office and find out uh, whether there's going to be a town hall. So tell me about that. Absolutely. There's, uh, I went to her website first um, and I was disappointed in her website because there was very little position on there at all. There, you, you really couldn't learn much about her from her website. And there were very few events and certainly no events scheduled that she was going to attend. Um, but yet I did see her going places because on her Facebook feed, she was constantly posting fundraisers she was at and people she was meeting in the in the area but they they, they never seemed to be any of the people that I w had started talking to or that I had learned anything about and she seemed to be very much in her own bubble so when did you when did you start doing that was it like you know a year ago or was it just like this past year uh, what really what happened to me post election was I looked around and I was very uncertain about the incoming administration. I, I wasn't comfortable with a lot of the positions and things. And so I wanted to know what my representative was doing in response to that administration, because I felt like I needed a voice. I felt like for the first time that I had really started paying attention much to congressional races and things like that, I needed to know that I, I was being represented in some way. And I, so I went to her website. I went to the Indivisible site that a lot of people have talked about and, and learned a little bit about it and reached out via um, email. And I also reached out on Facebook and I got a, a very quick message back asking my contact information and such. And I was encouraged by that. I felt like, okay, we can have a dialogue. I can. So what she was doing or what, what her staff was doing was just verifying that you're a constituent in our district. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. that's what it was, but I didn't realize that at the time because I, again, I, I hadn't gotten involved much in anything political ever. 
it just really was something where you went and voted and that was kind of your responsibility. And I always made sure I did that. I've never missed an election, but beyond that wasn't on my radar. You know, right. you walked out of the voting booth, you'd done your job as a citizen and uh, you hoped that the people you voted to represent you would represent you well. Right. So then you engaged with them. Right. You, uh, they got your contact information. Anything happened after that? No, it just went in. Nothing? I didn't even get a response on the messenger. Oh, really? Yeah. So, Not, nothing like, you know, thank you or anything. I just, it went into a void. Oh, really? So then yeah. what did you do next? Well, I, I went back to the Indivisible site because I was thinking maybe I needed to call or something. And I just wanted to read up on some of the advice that was on there. And I saw that they had upped the site to say there were local groups being formed. And I thought, well, let me look into that. So I went to uh, a, a couple of different local Facebook groups and began talking to people there. And uh, as a result, got invited into another group that I hadn't heard of before. But these were all people who were generally nonpartisan, and they were all concerned about things going on in Washington that they didn't feel they were getting a voice in, very, very much like me. And so uh, at that point, I just started to get a little more deeply involved with this sort of random group of people. I mean, there, there are people from both political parties, there are independents, there are people who are you know, school teachers and professors, and there are people who are small businessmen. And, and so there was a wide variety of people. Okay, and then what did you do? Did you join this group? Or it, and, and quite frankly, is it really an official group? No, it's, it's sort of an ad hoc type group. I mean, it was really just people who began talking from other conversations and said, what else can we do that's a little bit um, more effective? You know, how can we? So the first thing they did actually was a petition. Um, and this was it within the Indivisible group, but asking for a town hall with uh, about 1,200 signatures, I think it got to. Uh -huh. They were having protests at her office in the sense of they would line up outside and ask to speak to staffers and so on, which eventually the staff just started locking the office. They're just not talking to anybody at all. And so they submitted this petition, um, and it was just ignored also. And so that was on the first break after um, Congress had come into session, during the you know time to go home to your district. And during that time when my congresswoman was supposed to be in my district, she was at fundraisers in Sacramento, Nevada, and uh, Silicon Valley, picking up checks. It's all about the money. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know. I mean, and, and I'd like to add something, because when you talked about having the protesters outside of her office and then them locking the doors, uh, there, I know for a fact that there have been numerous security concerns uh, with members of Congress and things that have been happening. And I'm sure that in some way, shape, or form, whether it's the Capitol Police or whatever, might have been making recommendations to do that. Now, that shuts people out. Right. And I understand that. And that's a problem. But that also goes to the point of people who are, who really, their only goal is to disrupt. 
sure. and their only goal is to to make noise and scream and yell and holler and to to uh <laughs> to try to be kind of day traders I, I i use that term because uh i love listening to former congressman joe scarborough and morning joe on msnbc and he talks about political day traders those people that are only looking for a really short term hit on whatever they're doing and they're not really looking at the long run and you and i've had this conversation in the past where we've talked about how people really need to look long term so i i i'm not going to justify any congress person uh deciding to close offices or to keep people away uh I don't validate that, but I also know the the other side of the coin that could be a security risk. So that led to some other things happening. And what was next, John? Right. Well, and, and I do want to say something to that because I understand the point you're making there, but also the groups that were going there had all been very, very polite, um, nice, nonviolent. They, we actually, or the group of people that I was talking with actually called the Irvine police to let them know we would be there and okay. ask them to come and show up and keep there from being any problems. And so it was definitely a group that was committed to not being a threat, even though they tended to be painted that way, uh, particularly in fundraising notes and things, which is, it, again, it's politics. I know that they're going to use language for their base that they're not maybe going to use for the public or something like that. But it was fascinating to watch that dynamic um, from a perspective uh, of living in the district and wanting some sort of voice. So, so, so kind of back to this non-congressional, congressional town hall, Yeah, that kind of led the group, and you can explain why here in a second, but that kind of led the group to say, well, why don't we create our own town hall and invite the member of Congress? to join us and we'll do the planning and we'll have everything arranged and, and correct me. That's what you did. That's exactly what we did. It, it after that break, when we were completely ignored again, um, a group of people said, well, what if we just planned one of these? And as a, you know, connection, I said, well, I plan meetings for a living. I mean, I produce the technical end of events. I know quite a bit about it. I've been doing it for a while. And so I fell in with this group of people, again, non-aligned. We weren't under any banner except the 45th District Town Hall. And we created a website under that name. And when I say we, there were a number of people working. I'd say there were probably you know, 20 or 30 very committed volunteers who um, were working on different aspects of it. And so we decided, we looked for a venue, we found one of the school districts that we could rent the gymnasium relatively inexpensively. And this was in what, Irvine? In Irvine, yeah, one of yep. the high schools. Uh -huh. so we made those arrangements and it just, it just continued to grow from there. We settled on a date, we found a time during the next congressional break. And, and what I'm proud of most, I think, is that this is a group of people, A, who were doing it strictly out of their own passion for wanting things to be discussed and things to be talked and, and a conversation to go on and giving up their own time and their own money. I mean, I, I personally spent some money helping this thing happen and I know many people did. They did a fundraising um, close to the event where they covered a lot of those costs by a Kickstarter type program and people, it, it, it raised 
the money that was being asked for in less than 24 hours. Oh, that's awesome. There was a and great, so that so that website is that website still up? Um, I believe it is. I think. It was, and you said it was 45th District Town Hall. Yeah, California 45 Town Hall. I think was the name. I'd have to go back and look right now. Once I got through the event, I kind of took a deep breath. Well, somebody can Google it and see if they can find it. It, it might be under CA 45 Congressional yeah. Town Hall or California uh, 45th District uh, Town Hall. Uh, so that so that's neat. I, I did not know that you guys had gone to, A, the expense of going to rent your own facility to try to host a town hall, and then B, being able to raise that money in such a short time frame for the needs of the event, see setting up a, a website and so on and so forth. So did you invite the congresswoman to participate in the town hall? Absolutely. And, and they were all ignored. I mean, multiple times she was ignited. Uh, she was invited in um, different formats. Now, when you say when you say ignored, just blanketly, completely, nada, nothing no response, not even, I'm sorry, thank you very much, but I'm committed, nothing? Nothing. Uh, because, in fact, if she had come back and said, well, you know, I will talk to you at some point, but not that day, we would have rescheduled it. I mean, we were we tried to maintain an absolute impartiality to give her a platform to talk to the residents of her district. And it was a lot of the planning meetings on this were uh, – we're talking about that and making making the focus of it strictly be her words and her record. Um, one of the things that we did that people really seem to like and catch attention for is we had some great researchers in the group. And they went through and they found audio clips of her talking on the various topics that seemed to be the hot button issues. We picked four of them. And so we had a 40 to two, 40 second to two minute clip of her own words talking about that subject that we played since she wasn't there before we talked about the subject within the meeting. Okay, so let's, let's try to clarify and make sure that, that the people listening know where we're at with this. So you kind of got active and involved. Mm -hmm. You joined uh, an, a kind of ad hoc or an impromptu little group through social media that were expressing the same concerns that you were having about wanting to know more information about issues and the concerns of things that are going on in Washington and what your representative was doing about that. Then you got together and you started talking and you realized that, that A, you weren't getting any responses from the congressional office. And so B, there was nothing there that was showing that she was going to have open town hall meetings in her district. And so then the group sits down and in simplistic terms said, why don't we do our own and invite her? Yeah. And so put on the show. So now you invite her and she does not respond at all about showing up. You then put together things as far as audio clips on key issues so that the people that did show up would have some actual material from her that you could be able to have these discussions with. Uh, they so also created position papers um, taking her 
words and her positions and put them into PDF form so that people could download those or we had some printouts there. At the now, were they editorialized or were they literally clips of hers? That we we tried desperately to keep everything non-editorialized. It was okay. to be focused on her positions and what she has said about things. To try to make it fact-based. Yes, absolutely fact-based. Okay. And so then you set up the webpage and you invite people through different means to show up. Now, when was this uh, non-congressional, congressional town hall meeting in the 45th district of California? It was on May 9th. May 9th, like 10 days ago. Yeah, uh, it was on a Tuesday night. Okay. On a school night and a work night. On a school night and a work night. Now, how many people actually showed up for the town hall? Well, that was the, the amazing thing to me. And what was very inspiring to me, just as a citizen, there were over a thousand people there. And we had clickers at the door. Now, some of the press reports say 800, but we clicked in over a thousand people with people who were monitoring and ushering in. Okay. And so the gym, I had, I had actually drawn the floor plan and I had drawn about 400 seats with a little bit of overflow back onto the bleachers behind. Right. We actually filled the seats, the bleachers behind and the bleachers to both sides. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so, so anywhere between 800 and a thousand, let's not get into Trumpian type right. estimates of the number of people at the event, uh, because you know if there's photos, then we'll know whether or not what you're saying is correct or the photos are. And I'm trying to make a joke there about uh, <laughs> uh, we had the largest, biggest inaugural ever, uh, but uh, the photos didn't jive with that. In any rate, uh, so. So you were excited about that. You did some unique things. I know when I was prepping for this podcast, there have been numerous uh, reports. And in fact, last week I saw this on the news uh, that this had taken place. And I know that you had kind of a little bit of a, within your group, a marketing or PR mm -hmm. section of that that was inviting press. Uh, I've seen stories in business journals. I have seen stories in the LA Times. Uh, I've seen some really fascinating photos that I'm gonna address here in a second. But you also had international right. press on this. And, and there, was a, there was a report printed this week in Norway. I can't exactly read it except for Google Translate versions. But we, had a, we had, actually had a reporter there from Norway. I don't know if he was a freelance reporter who happened to be here. I doubt that he traveled specifically for our event. <laughs> but it just, uh, that really surprised me that we could not only get local coverage, even LA Times, but national and international on relatively short notice and with a relatively inexperienced group of people. I mean, none of us are... I, I do meetings, I do the, the technical part of meetings, but most of this group were just passionate about it as much as anything. And they weren't experienced PR people, you know, with a, with a Rolodex full of reporters they could call and that sort of thing. But yet we had a great, we had a great response and we had a great turnout. And it was really gratifying to be able to stand there and look around the room and, and think this is, a, a concerned and an engaged citizenry now? Well, I think one of the, I, I absolutely think that one of the photos that I've seen a couple times in different articles 
from the event was something very creative that was done <laughs> and uh and it it kind of became the uh the where's Mimi yes <laughs> uh and and I want you to explain that because you know we're not doing a video here we're just doing right. doing the audio podcast so I need you to kind of create the vision for what this was well, they're, they're, they're first off, within this group of people, some very talented graphics and creative people doing things like a logo for it, you know, and informational mm -hmm. PDFs for it and that sort of thing. Um, but to, to put a context to why this was done, we wanted to make sure that people had some method to have their voice heard and feel like it was going to reach the congresswoman's office. So we didn't want it to just be a room full of people who all evaporated and went away. And we tried to get, we knew that we wouldn't have mic time for everyone to get up and talk and express their concerns out loud. So we tried to give people different ways to communicate via the town hall to the congresswoman. We had an area where people could write down their concerns. And so just a submitted area with written questions and written comments. We had so, another, you were, so you were asking them to get on the record, correct? I mean, you're right. asking them to put something down in writing. And that's, that's one of my seven actions of the highly effective advocates in the book. And so we'll, 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 I'm going to touch upon that as we get to the end, but I wanted to bring that up now. So please, please continue. Well, then we also thought, well, people would like to, you know, record a video. And we had a video uh, team willing to come out. So they came out and set up a video booth so that people could directly address questions to her. And again, all this was going to be delivered electronically and physically to her office. And some of it has been already, I know. Um, and the last thing was a photo booth where people could, it was sort of whimsical, but they put a Where's Waldo version of with her face as a, a life-size stand-up. So they had the character that has that striped sweater yeah. and the outfit of, of Where's Waldo, mm -hmm. and then you put her face where Waldo's face would be, correct? And, and we let people pose with that, and they also had a white so you, so you created a photo booth. Yeah, a photo booth where people could take And then they could repost those on social media. Absolutely. Great. And, and that's that's one of the things that I think really was effective at getting a lot of attention because it was different, it was humorous, it wasn't mean, um, it was just a way to illustrate the point that we couldn't find her. You know, we can't get her to show up anywhere and actually go on the record and talk to people. Yeah. And so all of those were given as an option. Another thing that we did that I, I think was a nice touch and something that I'm proud of is it was decided to invite many other groups um, who do have organi organi organizations in Orange County. Give them a place. So where, grassroots groups. Yeah. Okay. And even formal groups. I believe we had both political parties with a table there. Oh, oh, okay. So, so you had a way for people to engage, kind of on the outer perimeter of this town hall, correct? We set up tables okay. all around the room, and so if you were interested in, you know, gun control, Second Amendment issues, well, you could go talk to a group that that's what they were working on. Okay. You know, if you were interested in Planned Parenthood, they were there. Um, there were various groups that represented different areas of concern 
that all sort of tied back to the areas that we were talking about that night. And it was, what the idea behind that was, was people can have a way to put things into action. You know, we want to give them a pathway to talk to people, to work on the things they're most concerned about, and not just make it everybody shows up for one night and then goes away, and that's the end of it. You know, we wanted this to have some lasting impact. You wanted to have legs beyond the evening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Wonderful. And so what were the expectations of the people uh, when you first started this, if you would have said, okay, we're going to, we're going to pick a night. We're going to hold this non-congressional or this congressional, non-congressional town hall, whichever way you want to say that, meaning that the, that the actual member of Congress no showed on it or, or never responded that they would show. I want to be clear about that. Uh, what were your expectations kind of in the group of, gee, if we get 100 people to show up, we've got 100 more people than we had yesterday. I, I, I think there was, there was pragmatism and there was optimism. You know, the pragmatic side was saying, uh, if we have 300 people, I'm going to feel like this was a really cool thing and worth doing. My, for me personally, I would say that that was kind of a threshold for me. And I actually, as part of the logistics of, of working on this, was trying to stress things where we could like either remove chairs if we needed to or you know group the audience so that it wouldn't appear sparse and uh-huh. attended because we had you know 500 seats and 300 people so you were using your event planning and meeting planning skills to make sure that you would were creating the best environment no matter what happened Absolutely. Yeah. I, and it was, it was something where I was able to bring some professional experience to it and, and sort of help in that way to set some expectations uh, with the group and to just work with them to try and carry out what everybody agreed the goals were. So you had that about 10 days ago. Uh, you've gotten great press from this, uh, as far as I can tell, it looks like you have created enough things for the event to have some legs. And so now the question is, what's next? And that's that question has been discussed. There, there was a, a really fascinating discussion went on after the event within one of the indivisible groups, which was not an official sponsor of it you know, but a lot of people from there had joined in to plan it. And the discussion was very much on was, was this the best thing we could have done in that maybe the speakers needed to be more conservative uh, because they were sort of preaching to the converted in a way. And there was another point of view that maybe this was just to bring up passions and show people that they had a voice and wherever they were, that was a good thing. So if they were all more to the progressive side than the conservative side, that was okay too. And so there's been an actual sort of analysis and self-reflection being done within the group of how, what do you do from here and how do you make it better and what might we do next? And I do think it's possible this won't be the last one of those types of events that we plan. For one thing, we, we had candidates who are going to run against her show up, but we didn't invite them as candidates and we didn't want this to be a debate or an ambush or anything like that. So while they showed up because they've been active in engaging with the group, 
uh, they were not recognized even from the stage until the very end of the evening. Oh, by the way, these people are here if you want to go talk to them. Um, so again, we tried to we tried to walk that middle ground on this one, but as thing as time goes on and as the campaign begins, there might be more of an idea that maybe we try and organize a debate or or some forum where all of the candidates can come together. I, I mean, that's something that's occurred to me, sir. So, so you know, I've been kind of calling this the non-congressional congressional town hall, and and in reality, it really was a group of maybe accidental activists, if you will, if you want to use that term that you've you've mentioned here at the beginning, but it was really kind of a community town hall anyhow, yeah. uh, because you had opportunities for people to get information from other groups. You were, you were kind of having a community fair in which you had the opportunity to let's talk about issues that are affecting us in the political and governmental realm. And we really want our congressman to show up to this event and be able to speak to their concerns or their issues as as the congressional office. So post-event, you said that you put together some of those videos and you, they've been delivered to our audience. You've taken the written word that you asked people to write down and that's been taken to the office. Mm -hmm. Has there been any response whatsoever from any staffer or from the actual congresswoman themselves i've i've not heard any that i and i've not seen anything on social media um it just seems to have been completely a non-event as far as they're concerned you know and i guess it's probably appropriate for me now to to kind of talk about this a little bit because i've written and i've spoken on other podcasts about the fact that i believe uh, the people that we elect have an obligation to engage with the citizens and constituents from their district. And I believe that no matter what, even if you feel like this is a setup, a setup from kind of outside groups that are trying to do a gotcha, I think you still owe it to the fact that they are still your constituents, they are still your citizens, and you need to go up there and you need to stand there and you need to have conversations. And I also know, and I won't get into this, but I know that there have been security concerns that have been expressed, and I don't want to validate anything, so I'm not going to speak to it directly, uh, but there have been security concerns. and. I understand from a congressional standpoint uh, or from the member of Congress standpoint about those concerns. So I can kind of. Can I say one thing there? Sure. We, we took steps. We again had notified the Irvine police. We had undercover officers keeping an eye on the event to make sure that there was no trouble. And certainly had her office contacted us and said, okay, we're interested in showing up, but we need you to do these things. I believe we would have absolutely done those things to make her comfortable. Uh-huh. Well, that's so, great. You know, so, there was a feeling within the group that we, we really wanted her to be there. This wasn't just a stunt. Right. This, this wasn't a, a play for one-day publicity. This was a play to be able to engage with your elected official and have sound conversations or begin a dialogue mm -hmm. and to let people know what's really going on in her district. Uh, 
she has a second term uh, right. member of Congress, and she has uh, <clears throat> and she is a Republican who comes from a district that has been held by Republicans for maybe since FDR was in office. Yep. Uh, but uh, you know, the tide is changing, and things are changing out there. And I think that one thing that's brought people to the forefront during this last uh, election cycle and since people have taken office is that there are people that want to engage more. They want to know more about what's going on. And, and so with that, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, having gone through this process as someone who I know uh, is articulate, someone who I know who uh, thinks things through, who uh, is, is fair in their approach to understanding others and their opinions. And having gone through this because you've never really been active like this in the past, you began the podcast by saying that. So having done that, how would you define advocacy now? That's a, that's a very good question. Um, I guess it's really speaking up. I mean, I always had opinions, but I often didn't express them uh, simply out of politeness or concern of not wanting conflict. And it just took me reaching a certain point that I had to feel that speaking up was more important than not speaking up. Because if I didn't do the things that I've been trying to do, I would have felt that I wasn't being true to myself. I, I wasn't standing up for principles that I believe in and things that I believe in uh, within our country and within our, our citizens. And so I can't expect other people to do the heavy lifting for me. You know, I need to be active. And yet I can have a friendly conversation with somebody who has very different views than me, and that's important to me as well. I believe that we have to have more conversations between people who don't agree, because the only way we're gonna start working things out is if we all are talking about what we want. Right. <clears throat> the, the, going about the process of listening and hearing what others think and say and and not responding by screaming and yelling or calling people names or saying that they're wrong or anything else, but absorbing what this dialogue is and the conversation is so that, in fact, we can sit there and say, okay, boy, I, I agreed with this tidbit or I agreed with that tidbit and I agreed with this and I never thought I would. So to the point where you all of a sudden start to say, well, okay, what are the things that we agree on? What are the things that are common here? And how do we work together to try to find a way to fill the gap? Uh, you know, can you come five steps my way? And can I come five steps your way? And can we figure a way to solve problems? I mean, we do it. We do it in our relationships. We do it with our families. We do it in our, with our business colleagues. We do it with our clients. So why the heck can't we do this with government? Uh, well, and, and talking about doing that with, you know, friends, family, that sort of thing, I would say that probably my three closest friends are about 180 degrees from me right now politically. Um, right. And yet, 
they're still my best friends. They're still people that I've known since I was a kid. And we can talk about these things and not hate each other and politely disagree when we disagree. Yeah, I, and, I, and I think that's good. It's, it's, it's funny how people want to pigeonhole other people into what their beliefs are. Uh, it happens to me an awful lot. I get pigeonholed. And quite frankly, you know, I'm a moderate, middle-of-the-road kind of centric guy who believes in, A, checks and balances, who believes that we need to have the dialogue, who believes that there, there needs to be differing opinions, uh, and, and also believes that we need to engage and that we need to participate. And I wrote, uh, and, and I, you and I have talked about this a lot, I wrote the book called The Seven Actions of Highly Effective Advocates. And in the book, I list these seven actions. And I'm just going to give you the brief titles of them. Because in walking through what you've just said about this particular event, I'm going to give you a grade on that. <laughs> with that, and we and and this is absolutely we did not discuss this, and uh, I I hope that uh, you you're able to laugh about this, uh, and not be not be afraid of it. These seven actions are first you got to believe, second you got to get informed, be informed, third you need to discuss the issues, fourth you need to get on the record, fifth you need to be a resource, sixth is volunteer. And seven is contribute. So based on the conversation, number one, you believed that you could achieve something or you wouldn't have taken the time and the effort to even do this. Right. Number two, you wanted to be more informed. And so you were trying to get more informed about issues and the people around you wanted to know more. And then you wanted to have the dialogue with the Congresswoman. And so you did, you know, uh, Number two, number three, you sat around in your whether it was virtually or when you got together physically and you discussed the issues. And uh, number four, at your event, you had people get on the record and you had them get on the record by writing or they could submit something uh, because you had video available for it. They could go to the photo booth and have their photo taken uh, uh, with uh, Mimi Waldo. Uh, Walters, her nickname's now Waldo, Mimi Waldo Walters, but you could do that at that particular point in time. And so you gave people an opportunity to get on the record. And then you became a resource to them because A, you provided other groups that they could get information of at that event. And not only did you provide them resources that they could use with that, you were a resource because you used your personal expertise that you have in your career and time to help create the event and have the event function properly to, to maximize a number of things. Six was volunteer. You volunteered for all this. Uh, you, you didn't get paid for any of this. Is that correct? Yeah, we were not part of that paid group you hear about. Okay. Well, that's a good thing because I, I agree. This is this is grassroots. This is coming up out of the ground and people saying, we need to know and we need to do more. And then number seven, you, uh, which I didn't think you would have uh, before we had a conversation, but number seven was contribute. And that could be both monetarily or of time. And I knew you contributed your time, but you also said that you contributed financially to this. So, John, you get a 100% A-plus 
all seven of the seven actions were incorporated of these seven actions of highly effective advocates. And to me, that no longer makes you an accidental activist or an accidental advocate. It makes you a highly effective advocate. Well, thank you. And, I, and, and, and to you and to the other people within your group. So I'd like to kind of close this with, with two things. Is there anything that you, you would like to add about your future involvement in any of this? Well, the thing that I think I'd like to most add um, was just how truly inspiring I felt to stand in that room and how important when I look back on it now, that was the payoff to me for the work and the, the time that was put into it was being able to look around and know that I didn't agree with everybody in that room, but that I had been a, a small part of getting all these people to come together and talk about things that concerned them. And to me, that was one of the nicest things I've been able to be involved in in, in a while. It, it allowed me to say I had a small part of helping all these people talk about what concerns them. And so I would encourage anybody, like in the meetings industry, for example, where we have some expertise in this, do stick your hand up and volunteer. Find a cause that's important and help people do these sorts of things. Because like I was saying before, you need to talk to, to everybody. You know, you need to have the conversations. And if we're not having those, we're not going to fix anything. So let me, uh, and I think that that is incredible and it's great advice and it's, it's being specific. And I'd like to extend a little bit of that by saying, you know, not just the people in the meetings industry that can help run the event, but people that are in marketing and people that are in PR, and people that want to just help make a difference. You know, it really is kind of a campaign. It's not necessarily a campaign for a candidate or against a candidate, but it's really like kind of building a campaign. And you need the people that make the phone calls. You need the people that are uh, participating on social media. You need the people that are willing to walk door to door. I mean, you know, campaigns have many of these different, different attributes to them. And when you're doing any of these type of events, you need all those players to be a part of all that. But I'd like to end with a, a reflective question, if I can. What do you wish your younger self had known about politics or advocacy or activism that you know today? I think for me, I maybe should have been a little bolder a little sooner and and been willing to broach the subject of politics when i was younger i sort of stayed discreet and just didn't talk about it and probably i i would go back and say you need to go ahead and talk about it you need to get on the record like you know the those effective advocates you need to step up and and be a part of the system, not just be an observer of the system. I, I, I think that's absolutely great advice. And I got to tell you, you know, we, it seems that every generation looks back and says the young people of this generation, where are they going to go and what are they going to do? As someone who goes out and speaks and does inspirational uh, topics on advocacy and advocacy engagement and activism and getting involved, I've been doing an awful lot of events recently with youth mm -hmm. and with emerging leaders. 
And I will tell you that if we can get through this period, and I'm sure we can, the next generation is going to be much more active, more engaged, more involved, because traditionally in the past, people don't tend to get involved until there's a personal reason to. It's till you own your own home, until you're paying off college debt, until you have kids of your own, till you're dealing with ailing parents. All those things start to get you more involved because government touches you in more ways. And youth oftentimes aren't touched by any of that. They've almost been insulated and protected from that, which is a good thing. But this group, whether you call it the millennials, the next generation coming up through, they really want to be engaged and participate. And it's fun for me to be able to get out there and engage with them. So, John, I wanted to kind of close by saying that I, I thank you very much. I thank you for what you did and to your group for what they've done. Uh, please share the podcast with your group. I will definitely. Uh, and do that. It was a pleasure having you on the show today. And you can tell folks that John has become passionate, not just accidental. He has become passionate now about how can we help make a difference. And by believing that they can, they're right on that path of those seven actions of highly effective advocates. John, how can somebody reach you or your organization or the group that you're doing things? You gave the, you can Google the website. Right. The group is on Facebook. That's where a lot of things uh, really started. So um, there are two indivisible groups, and there's actually for different areas of Orange County, other groups. Um, so I'm certainly still active in that. There's a California Town Hall Facebook group, and there's the website. Um, and then even just personally through my website, the Strategic Meeting Tech, um, John, J-O-N at strategicmeetingtech.com if they want to send me an email. Okay, that's John at strategicmeetingtech.com. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful. John, thank you so much. Keep up the good work. Keep plowing forward. Keep trying to get people engaged and involved. And uh, that'll help make America better tomorrow. I thank you for your time. And I'll be right back with the tip of the week. And now it's time for the advocacy tip of the week. Today's tip is Congressional Town Halls Part 2. In my last episode, I discussed Congressional Town Halls, and in light of my interview with John Trash, the accidental activist, I thought I would add some additional information. I highly encourage you to attend any congressional town hall if your member of Congress is holding any. Remember, the purpose of the town hall is to give the elected officials, constituents, that is you, the opportunity to hear directly from them and for you to ask questions on topics that you want discussed. It is a good opportunity for an in-depth interaction between you and the member of Congress. But remember this. All members of the House of Representatives get elected every two years. So in less than a year from now, they will come out and they will be asking for your vote again. And as a recap, how can you find out if your member of Congress is holding a town hall? 
go to the Member of Congress website. Now, here's how to find your Member of Congress. On the House side, go to, on the internet, go to house.gov and search for your rep. It's very easy. It's right at the top of the page. They have a portal that will take you directly to the Member of Congress website, to your congressperson's website. When on their website, they will usually have an events page which will list what is going on in the district. If you can't find any information, call the district office and ask for a schedule of town hall meetings. It will be wise to bone up on issues that matter to you so that you're prepared to talk knowledgeably about them. If you go, be respectful. Let me repeat that because we're in some really kind of troubling political times right now, and I want, I want to repeat this. Be respectful. The way to get their attention is to show respect. Don't scream, don't yell, or do anything otherwise to kind of disrupt the town hall. Listen, and listen very carefully. Ask short, well-thought-out questions on matters that concern you. Ask for clarifications if you need to. Speak with congressional staff and ask for follow-up if required. Members of Congress want good, effective communications with their constituents. After all, don't we all want an effective and functioning government in Washington? To learn more, go to VoicesInAdvocacy.com. We have another fabulous sponsor of this show, Trekker Leather Company. Whether you're looking for leather journals, sketchbooks, or accessories, you will find high-quality, premium leather styled by artisan craftsmen. I love the look and feel of my leather journal, and I know you will too. Go to trekkerleather.com, that is T-R-E-K-K-E-R leather.com. These handmade leather goods influenced by the ranchers of the American Southwest make great gifts which can be personalized and customized for anyone and any occasion. So after the podcast, go to trekkerleather.com to get yours. Tell them Roger sent you. Just a couple of quick announcements here at the end of the episode. If you're interested in being a guest on my show, please go to voicesandadvocacy.com and click on Contact Us to let us know your interest and why we should have you on the show. Now make sure you put in the comments section that you want to be a guest on the show. This way then I can separate those that, that might just want to uh, become part of the following. I would love to have you contribute your thoughts. In upcoming episodes, you will be treated to great interviews from people that know advocacy, leaders from the world of politics, associations, nonprofits, and actively engaged advocates. We at Voices in Advocacy work with organizations that want to ensure that their advocates are educated, engaged, and actively supporting your mission. If you have a question or two that you would like me to address here in the podcast, send me an email. That's roger, R-O-G-E-R, at voicesinadvocacy.com. And here are a few final thoughts. Also, I, I would be extremely grateful if you would rate my podcast. That helps tremendously with keeping the podcast visible so that people who have never heard of it can discover it. Just head over to iTunes to subscribe today. Well, that's it for this episode of Voices in Advocacy. 
Until next time, remember you have the power to change lives as an effective advocate. So go out and make it a better world. We hope you enjoyed today's Voices and Advocacy podcast and look forward to you guys joining us again next week. To learn more about us, go to voicesinadvocacy.com.